Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of In the Margins. I'm your host, Aubrey Artiano, and today's episode features three phenomenal thriller writers, Liz Webb, J.A. Corrigan, and Sophia Spires. Today we'll cover everything from process, to challenges, to books we love. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it on over to Liz, who's going to properly introduce herself. Hiya, um, I'm Liz Webb, and I have a book out this year, which is called The Daughter. And that's my first book, and I've just finished writing my second book, much to my agent's relief. Um, my, uh, I was originally a stand-up comic for many, many years, and then I moved into radio production, did that for ages. And then when COVID hit and my son was at home working and there was no recording work, I thought, oh, well, I better do something. So I wrote a book, which is the book that's just come out. Um, the book is called The Daughter, and it's about a woman who returns home uh, to look after her dad who has dementia. And because he has dementia, he starts confusing her with her mum. Uh, who died in very strange circumstances when she was 14. Um, And because of this, um, Hannah, the main protagonist, starts being able to question her dad as if the past is the present. And she is able to look into what really happened uh, to her dad. So that came out in May and it comes out in paperback in, I think, January. I've got a meeting with my uh, publisher soon. But yeah, that's me. I'll pass over to Sophia. Hi, um, I'm Sophia Spears, and my debut novel's just come out the 13th of October, and it's called The Call of Cassandra Rose. And my book is about a young, vulnerable mum who um, has some repressed childhood memories. She suffered a traumatic event in her life, and um, she starts getting plagued with um, these memories, um, snippets of memories, and so she goes to seek help from a hypnotherapist. And my book really explores the themes of vulnerability and what happens when you're at your most vulnerable because we meet our protagonist and she's at a very low place. And what happens when someone shows an act of kindness to someone that's vulnerable? Um, Sometimes your judgment's a bit off (laughs) because you're desperate for that kindness. Um, And there's some very dark themes um, explored. and we go into manipulation, really, and coercion and control, and it all gets very dark. So, um, yeah, so that's the call of Cassandra Rose. <laughs> Over to Julianne. Hi, my name's Julianne, Julianne Corrigan. I write psychological thrillers as J.A. Corrigan. I've been writing for me properly, really, for 10 years. So I, I, I in my past life, I was a physiotherapist. My first thriller my first psychological thriller was published in 2016 falling suns and then um it was quite a big gap where i wrote another in another genre and i was published again with the nurse in 2021 and then my recent release was april 2022 this year another psychological thriller called the bad sister welcome thanks for being here One of the questions I would love to ask um, to kind of kick this off is why thrillers? Why this genre? You know, when I think about uh, when I was learning to kind of read independently as a child, I naturally gravitated towards thriller and horror, but I know it varies for everybody. And in fact, a lot of people don't like those genres. Um, So I'd love to hear from each of you, why psychological thrillers? I think um, I've always had a love like you for horror gothic horror. Um, Also, I was obsessed with Hitchcock growing up um, and thrillers and suspense. And um, the kind of books and films, because I'm a big film buff um, that I love, usually uh, feature protagonists that are really broken. They come from a really broken place. I also really enjoy reading protagonists that are difficult, not unreliable, but they're they're unlikable as such. So for instance, Lie With Me by Sabine Durant. I don't know if you've read that. Uh, we've got a protagonist that's a compulsive liar. He's very unlikable, but he, there, was some, there was a compulsion for me to read on. And I love these type of dark characters, these unsavory characters. And I've, I've just had a fascination with, you know, what happens, you know, how, how far can you go? How low can you go? How dark can you go, you know, in your mind? And when your protagonist starts questioning their 
their sanity and their reality, which then becomes an unreliable uh, narrator as such. So um, yeah, I think it's a it's it's broken protagonists that um, fascinate me the most. So that's where I draw the inspiration from. I'm sure you've probably read The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. It's one of my favorite examples of an unreliable female narrator. And I love it because there's so much to digest. There's the removal from society and subsequent confinement, not being allowed to write, being unable to fulfill her duties as a mother. And the ending is really open to interpretation. You know, maybe she's completely lost her mind and her husband has fainted, or maybe she's, you know, finally released herself from this mental and emotional prison and, you know, as such defeated the patriarchal force in her life. And because you don't know how much you can rely on her narration, the story can be really unique to each reader. Yeah, and there's it's open to interpretation throughout the book. I guess it keeps you guessing, doesn't it, as well? And there's lots of questions when you have an unreliable narrator. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the fascination. And that's, I mean, I love psychological thrillers now, so I devour them. <laughs> it's my <laughs> favourite genre. <laughs> I'm more into psychological thriller than horror now, but I used to really like horror when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, what, what about you, Liz? Um, you know, I know you, you mentioned you used to work in broadcasting. Um, can you tell us a bit about that transition? Uh, well, I think I was always, a, I mean, because I, I was a stand-up comic, I'd always written. But then when I was a producer, I found myself endlessly wanting to edit other people's work, which is hugely frowned upon. You're meant to give creative freedom to your writers. And I was endlessly itching to change their stuff. So I realised I really had to... Um, you know, stand up for myself and write something. So uh, yeah, and I love psychological thrillers. I think mainly because I really like books with hooks. Um, I'm in a book group and my all my friends are always despair of me because unless a book has a really strong hook and plot, I get so bored. Even I can start a book uh, that's not necessarily psychological thriller, any genre that's got a great character and great observations and a great voice but unless it's got some kind of hook to pull me along and twists and turns I find myself getting really bored and conversely I will keep reading a book that I hate even if, if I like the hook because I'm so desperate to find out what happens so because I wanted to really engage readers I wanted to try and write books that had good hooks and twists and turns but I don't like books psychological thrillers that just are hooky for the sake of being hooky and it's all a bit crap and oh endless turns for no point I do I, I, I think the best psychological thrillers are the ones that have all that tension but also have great characters great observations great voices so a book like I know it's quite old-fashioned now but Gone Girl I think is a brilliant psychological thriller because it has everything in some ways it's hard to even say it's in the psychological thriller genre because it's such an all-round excellent book and the um surprises when they come i are we allowed to give away things about books are we allowed to give away spoilers i think mean, everyone's read that so what the hell? <laughs> yeah um basically the fact that she isn't dead and then not only is she not dead but she's actually not a nice character when you've been thinking of her as a victim all the way through but i think um gillian flynn really earns that kind of thing whereas i have read quite a few uh books psychological thrillers recently where they don't earn that kind of pull back and reveal and pull back and reveal seem to be the big thing at the moment um uh, some are brilliant and uh yeah some are not i was interested what sophia what you were saying about likable characters and unlikable characters when i first tried to sell my book it bizarrely it sold abroad in really cold countries like norway really quickly and then it took longer to sell in this country and what some of the editors said was oh i'm not sure if i like your main character she's a bit marmite and then that got me on really interested in Marmite characters. And actually, I wrote a couple of articles about it. I think Marmite characters are brilliant. Me too. Yeah. yeah, don't you think, Sophia? Yeah. I think they yeah. work really well, but it yeah. can turn people off. Yeah. Um, some people really don't like, you know, those kind of characters, which are just like, I mean, I love American Psycho. You couldn't get more. I, I'm obsessed mm. with that book. And also yeah. recently I read Psychopaths Anonymous by Will Carver yeah. and Maeve, who's a psychopath and a serial yeah. killer. I, I just loved reading it because I was so uncomfortable reading it and I wanted yeah. to know more, I wanted to explore her and he wrote her brilliantly. The most unlikable character. Absolutely. I, 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 I love that. 
Like one of my yeah. favorite movies now is The Joker because oh, yeah. he's a broken character and he's not a likable person, but there's yeah. something that draws you to him. You know, I think so. the trick is being charismatic, isn't it? I mean, Silence of the Lambs, you actually yeah. like the killer because he's charismatic. I mean, I just I was just reading the third in the trilogy of Do you know Sweet Pea by CJ Scuzzy? I yeah. don't know how to say her name. Yeah, yeah. But Sweet Pea Blooming and Deadhead. Yeah. And that character is very dislikable, but understandable. You also go, oh no, I get it why she's so angry. Ju Julianne, what 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 do you think about this? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I love a character that, that's three-dimensional. And I with with I, I love a character who who you can empathise with and, and dislike at the same time. It's really difficult to do, I, I think, in a novel. And I think, I think the writers that can pull it off, you know, do extremely well. And I think that's where the story lies, which is, which is, which underpins the psychological thriller genre. Absolutely. And, and, and actually, um, I was reading a thing, there's um, a book called Eileen, and um, it's by somebody called Musfeg. Oh, I've, oh, I've read her. Yeah, Mutessa, that's it, yeah. And apparently she's written a couple of other books, and her books are wildly dark, but she started getting promoted on, what's that? TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> And it's taken off like crazy because all these young people really like these massively dark. I, I, I love Eileen. I love I loved Eileen. I thought it's great. But it, you see, it's all about the characterization, isn't it? it it's, yeah. it's, it's all, you know, the hook, you know, there's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably a little bit different to you is, is I'm, I'm taken in by the characterization. I mean, you know, the premises in the background, but it's the characterization that pulls me through, yeah. pulls me through a book. So yep. I do love a slow burner, which Eileen is. Mm, and, absolutely. You know, there's, there's not there's, there's not that deathly twist at the end, but it's it's kind of authentic. Absolutely. Yeah. You believe her all the way through. Yeah. 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 Imagine I read books, you know, and then I, then I forget. Then I forget when when I have to talk about the books, I kind of forget. But but it. A good book just leaves you with a feeling. Yeah. A feeling. And and I think as authors, you know, as, as you go on to write more books, I think if you can just leave your readers with yeah. that deep feeling of being unsettled, even uncomfortable, yeah. that makes you feel, you know, twists that make you feel uncomfortable. I was thinking about that last night. I don't know if anyone has seen the film um, Requiem for a Dream. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that. No, da Darren, I can't say his name. Um, yeah, Darren, is it Ravinsky? Absolutely stunning, uncomfortable film to watch. Story, um, but I just loved it because it's so dark, which is what draws me to these stories. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. I was thinking that I was thinking about things that have had brilliant twists recently, and I watched um, The Undoing. You know that series. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. Hugh Grant yeah. and I was interested because I had read the book it's based on um, and the book is completely different from the TV series but in that the huge pullback and another spoiler <laughs> in it you don't you don't believe that he can possibly be the killer Hugh Grant because Hugh Grant is such a great charismatic actor that you can't possibly and I think that was fantastic casting because the pullback and reveal <laughs> when you finally discover it is him is yeah. heightened massively by the fact that the actor is so warm and lovely. But then I read the book, and in the book, which is called, it's not called The Undoing, it's called uh, uh, You Should Have Known. From the beginning, you know who the killer is. It's a completely different way of doing the tension. And it's probably more your kind of thing, Julie, Anne, it, because it's about her trying to work out why she didn't know psychologically yeah, yeah. that yeah. he was the killer. Yeah. So that, that's, that's more character than plot yes but yeah there's another book that I wrote that, that's very like that um uh, by an American author it's Amy Engels the Renote Girls where oh, yeah where, where the twist comes right at the beginning you know you know yeah you know what's happened and it's all about finding out why I mean it's a little yeah I love that idea yeah, yeah. and then, you know and then there's like always with those books there's this really subtle sting in the tail at the end Mm. Yeah, which, which is so you know, it's such controlled writing. It's really, it's the unpicking of how yeah. it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the layering, the layering yeah. of the story. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I agree with you, Liz. On some, you know, some novels where the twist, they can just be so ridiculous. 
and <laughs> I know. But you know, I mean, if getting to that point is a great journey, it's it's fine, isn't it? My one of my favourite books recently um, that's haunted me is uh, Needless Streets by. Oh, uh, I, I was just oh. thinking about that book actually. Same. Obsessed with that book. I just again another anti-hero protagonist in Ted, um, a really broken character. Um, I just love her sense of horror and the suspense mixed in with the surrealism which I think I kind of borrow from when I was younger I used to like books like William Burroughs and stuff but yeah when I read that book recently I just thought what a twist I was so shocked yeah and also a point of view from a cat I mean she's so brave she really went there and she she expertly written you know about mental health issues I think sensitively mm-hmm. And really, it was really well done. It was just one of my favourite books, I think, at the moment. And that yeah. uses multiple points of view, which I was yeah. thinking the difference between our three books is Sophia and my books are single point of view. Yeah. Whereas Julianne, I, I read your most recent one, which I loved, The Bad Sister, and that's multiple points of view and multiple timelines. I know, I know. That, I was, a, that was a juggling act. I, I ask quite a lot from my reader, don't I? And no, I'm, no, I thought it was great. But was that never, hard to do? To, did you have to draw it out? On yeah, I mean, do you plot? You must plot rather than pants your way through a novel. You know, honestly, I, I, I don't plot very much. And okay. the book that I'm writing currently, um, I have plotted because I felt like I had to because it's kind of a little bit of a different sort of book. And I, I think it's probably be one of the hardest books I've written because yeah I plotted it however having said that I must be honest if I hadn't I think I would be having many more problems (laughs) and and many more rewrites I mean maybe I will have to but you know at the moment I think it's sitting okay but it's just the way my mind works I think I think you know as writers we all have different ways of working and I've heard I, I I really admire you writing from one point of view because I'm not sure whether I could hold a whole novel with one point of view so I've got great admiration so for me it's it's easier for me to 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 have two timelines um there's pros and cons like if you have one point of view you've got the um advantage of having it's very insular isn't it so you're Mm. only allowing the reader into what Mm. that person you know that that persona can see Um, and then I guess when you open up with other points of view you're opening up your story my second book which is at my agents now um, I've just finished that's again just one point of view I don't know if this is my thing I mean I'm a fairly new writer I've only you know my second book's just finished so I don't know if it's my thing but um I will the same yeah Yeah, my my second book book is single point of view I'm thinking about two points of view. I might expand a little bit, but... Um... No, I think you should write with what you're comfortable with. And the way, you know, I think when you have an idea for a story, I don't, I don't know about Liz and Sophia, but it, it sort of tells you what it needs, doesn't it? It tells yeah. you how many, you know, which characters should be telling the story, mm. it tells you which tense you should be, you know, it, it tells you which person, whether it's going to be first or third, you know? And yeah. You, I mean, I don't know how you two write, but I write myself into a story. Yeah. And and absolutely. Got, you know, and then right. and then my characters come and 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 yeah. that's it. You know. So I think we all work in different ways, and um and then you know maybe Sophia, you know, you might get a bit bored one, you know, when you book four or five, and then you'll just go and do something. Try something different. I mean, for the first two books, I, I mean, I came up with the premise for the first book for Cassandra Rose, um, and um, and a question. I guess I start with a feeling and a question: What happens if you know a vulnerable person meets someone along the way, whatever? Um, and but then, yeah, I write. I wrote my way through the story, so. Um, I start with what I call a vomit draft, which, as Stephen <laughs> King says, right with the door closed, your first draft. Don't let Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think... Actually, it'd be great to know a bit more, I guess, about everybody's kind of writing process because everybody approaches it differently. For some writers that I've I've worked with, you know, they they have a very clear beginning or a very clear ending, or they have a character that they're really interested in or they have an idea or a twist and then it kind of forms around those different aspects of the book. Um, 
so I guess for you, Sophia, you say that you you started with maybe with a character and a question, and then you yeah. then it evolved from there. Um, and was it the case? Was it the same for your second book as well? Yeah, I had the second book. I had the idea of um, just a basic story forming in my head and a feeling, and then I just um, started with a question: What happens if? you know, a woman goes back to her childhood home and uncovers all these buried memories, which is basically the premise for the second book. Yeah, and then I just started writing my way through the story. But my second book has a lot more characters in it, so there's a lot more happening. It's um, Cassandra Rose is quite um, a claustrophobic book in the sense that it's not many characters, and then the second half, it's, uh, it's all in one location. Yeah, I liked that though, Sophia. I I like that. It's quite it's brave, you know. It's brave. Yeah, it takes a certain skill. Thank so you'll, you. probably, you'll probably find the next one much easier to write. I've got an idea for book three now. I can't. I think I've got ADHD or something. I'm very like I have to keep writing all these ideas and um trying to yeah focus. So. Great. What about what about you, Julianne? What how does it work for you? Is it just an idea, a character? a great opening? Um, I think it's different with each book, but if I'm being really honest, I I have a premise. I have a premise, for, you know, and so that's normally with the ending. So I know how the book wants to end. It doesn't always end that way, but I, you know, when I start, I know. But what I do, and this is what I tell, I work with a few me mentees, one in particular who's, who's never written a novel before. And my advice, when I first started working with the mentee was just sit down and write the first chapter and that's basically what I do is I just write something and I honestly I mean I'm writing my seventh book at the moment and I can honestly say that every chapter the first chapter that I've written is the one that I go with is the one that becomes you know well it might move okay it might move to chapter two or something as we all know but normally that first chapter when I'm all inspired with my, you know, um, compulsive obsessiveness, like Sophia, it, th that's how the story starts. And, and it just tells me how, how to go, if that makes sense. Does that make any sense yeah. at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So yeah, I, so, so I start with a premise and then maybe two or three, maximum four things that happen throughout the novel that I know I want to happen. And then I just fit them in, you know, when it, when I see them coming as I'm writing. But I'm a big, um, these days I'm a big post-it fan. <laughs> We're on a podcast, but you know, I've got a massive, massive thing on my floor at the moment, you know, with it all planned out. So that goes back, Aubrey, to asking me about whether whether I plot. And my last book I have plotted because I've got all the chapters in colour coordinated order with all my characters and timelines. Wow. <laughs> I'd love to see it. <laughs> So yeah, that, that that that's how I work. But I, I do normally, it, it's the ending that that I have. The, you know, the premise and the ending, and and also one main character. I think, don't want to bang on, but I mean, with with my book, the nurse, it was Rose, my character Rose, who who was who just was there in my head. You know, and I knew what I wanted her to do. I knew what I wanted her to go through, and and I wrote the book around that really yeah what about you Liz yeah I think for me uh, I mean a writing book is such a big long thing I have to write something that I'm really fascinated by and obsessed with so I always so like for the first book um my mother had dementia and I'm a very literal linear person and I found it the most bizarre thing to be continually talking to someone who jumped back and forth in time for whom the present barely existed but yet the, and I found it a really fascinating and really frustrating yeah. um, way of communicating so that was the beginning I was just so fascinated by this um, and at the same time I was uh, moving house while making a terrible terrible series for Radio 4 which was because <laughs> I was a producer there and uh, I was really stressed and I bought this house that I absolutely loathe and I was very stressed and outside the window was a quince tree and I directed all my loathing <laughs> my life at this terrible quince tree and I didn't know anything about quince and I bit into a quince and realized that they are disgusting when raw and so that became my character I had a character who looked 
lovely on the outside but was very messed up on the inside mm-hmm. and that was easy to write because in my life people have always said to me like when I was a producer everyone went oh you're so capable you're so organized and inside I'm an absolute bloody mess the reason I appear so capable is because I plan ahead tums and tums and tums and tums so I found writing the character very easy because basically she was me um, I think that that's a um, Sophia and I are both baby um, novelists and I don't know, Sophia, how much of you is in your main character, but I definitely put a lot of me into my um, uh, first book. My second book is much more about, I I found this weird medical oddity, which I found absolutely fascinating. I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to spoil it for my agent and everything. But um, and so it came from a medical oddity. But again, I then related it to stuff in my life it's a couple for the the husband goes through this weird medical oddity and they think they are a rock solid couple who nothing could break them apart but because of what happens with the husband suddenly they are forced to the edge of whether they can stay together sorry Sophia you're going to say something no I was just um I was just agreeing with you really (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone draws on their own experiences and their own you know from personalities that they know and stuff but um, I, I'm not like Cassandra Rose <laughs> <laughs> I totally am the main character I mean I'm barely indistinguishable and totally her half the things that happen are, are me and oh my god I yeah uh, <laughs> pretty scary extent people have gone oh my god is that really you do you really think like that especially when people said oh she's quite dislikable I was thinking well that's me so if you don't like her you don't like me <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the interesting thing about unlikable characters though and and kind of goes back to the unreliable narration I think I've read a few books recently where I just really dislike the characters and I mean it's not just one character it's consistently every character yeah. um so I don't know if anybody has read um the most recent Otessa Moshfeg book Labvona I haven't um, read but it's I'm finding him so I'm, I'm almost done with it but I'm finding that even though I don't like anybody in the book, and I, I I really don't care what happens to either of them, um, I'm still I'm still engaged. I still want to finish the story. I still want to know what happens. So it's interesting how you can feel kind of at odds. You know, I, I don't care what happens to these characters, but I still have to finish reading the book because I have to know what happens. Even if nothing really does happen, I can't not finish it. So have you have you experienced that? Do you feel like that's something maybe? you would explore in your own writing kind of characters where you think maybe the reader could take it or leave it as far as do they live do they not live yeah I mean for me um Annabelle is um she's very vulnerable and some of the decisions and choices she's made you know obviously I wouldn't I don't you know I don't understand why she's done that I I hope I've tried to portray her where you can understand why she has done that and she's coming from such a vulnerable place um I don't I didn't particularly want to write a book where everyone was likable because like I've said previously I mean I like unlikable characters there's something that draws me to them their flaws um and decisions that they make that don't make sense in a way um I've always been fascinated with that and I guess I'm fascinated with that with real life people as well (laughs) when I see someone that's totally flawed in a way and I'm just like well why did you do that or why did you say that you know um yeah so I think even in my second book there is uh, shades of that a lot that again mm-hmm. I've written a very broken uh, character main character who um some of her decisions are questionable do, do you not think too though in in fiction we, we people we, you know readers fiction and fiction um it's almost as if they need more of an explanation in fiction of why people act and are a certain way yeah and in real life which is why I think with some books you know they'll get rave reviews yeah you know why did why did a character do this you know there's no reason why they do this whereas whereas someone else reading the book you know sees you know underneath the layers yeah and and you know I I think there's a nuance in fiction of of of, of showing life but but in a different way to how we we perceive it to make it more believable 
Yeah, I think we have to explain certain things and certain decisions. And I only that only clicked with me when I, I went to Harrogate recently and Chris Carter, I don't know if you know Chris Carter, yeah. he writes about serial killers and stuff. Mm. Um, he used to work real life crime. He used to be um he used to be the psychologist and trying to so he's really fascinating character. So he was saying on the panel how real life doesn't make sense sometimes. So mm. he'd arrive at a scene and they'd ask this guy, well, why did you shoot all these people? And then it's like, well, I don't know. He pissed mm. me off kind of thing. <laughs> Whereas he says he can't, he can't yeah. do that in a book right. because readers will not be happy. He has to, he has to explain everything. So there has to be an explanation for ev every action. But, but, that, but my point is, is, is there doesn't, there doesn't in, in a book really, and, and, and it's, it's the author's skill to, to show, to, to explain what they, you know, what, what they feel they can get away with and, and leave, yeah. I mean, I love, I love books that leave some questions unanswered, you know, I don't want everything yeah. explained to yeah. me. So that I, I can, know what you mean, yeah. You know what I mean? So I can use yeah. my imagination. And I, I think that's a skill, especially in crime writing, like Chris yeah. Carter says, you know, the readers all want an explanation, but sometimes, you know, you've got to leave something unexplained. But yeah. but I that's just my view as a reader. Um, and it, when I'm writing, I do know that I have to explain, you know, more. Yeah, more. like you can't have a main character that just does really random things. No, no. Without a reason a thought mm. process behind mm. that so yeah. because it yeah. just will jump too much so but and I suppose it's it's the author's job isn't it just it's almost like you have to get the reader on side and and then you can make uh, I think someone once said this to me I don't know who it was but uh, you know you, you can make any unbelievable situation believable if you write it well enough and yeah that's, I think that's really true you know yeah that is true I like the idea of ambiguity at the end of a book mm, as well, yeah, where you yeah. still have questions, not everything is answered. And, and the yeah, I mean, yeah, that brings a question, because that, that's more of a sort of, you know, in inverted commas, a literary, literary mm. fiction trope, isn't it? You know, leaving mm. some ambiguity at the end of the novel. But I actually think in psychological, I don't know what you think about this, Aubrey, but I think in psychological thriller fiction, you know, it benefits hugely from 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 that sort of vague that, that, that ambiguity I, I'm trying to think of an author who does that um Alice Feeney Alice Feeney tends yeah to I love books. her she's brilliant yeah, yeah no they're, they're, they're great you know and sometimes you know I think there's one book one of I think it was a, her debut that I, I didn't really get the end and I I know I mean I didn't ask her on Twitter but I think someone said something on Twitter you know and and she said well it's up to you you know it's up to you how you see the ending and I I, I think I think confidence in your confidence in your own writing, you know, allows you to do that. I mean, maybe your editor might edit it, I don't know. but but I think, I think ambiguity the, is good. I'm the opposite. I loathe ambiguity. I like a bit of psychological ambiguity and mm. questions. But Gordon Bennett, I've read several books recently where they don't tell you what happened, and it drives me up the wall because I'm such a plot person, and they don't actually explain it, or they go oh, and this terrible thing could happen, and it ends, and I'm like, are you kidding? I find that really frustrating. So I like a bit of psychological ambiguity, but I like to understand the plot at the end. Yeah, I, you know, I, with my book, The Nurse, I've had a lot of messages, you know, via Instagram and, and via my website, um, where, where people have said, I've loved your book, but what, ha what happened at the end, you know? What, what, yeah, and, 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 and it's all there, you know, and I just say, read it again. The, the nice ones I had a good conversation with. And they go, oh, <laughs> then, they, then they message you back, oh yeah, you know? So sometimes the, the, everything's there at the end. Yeah. It's just sometimes the readers miss it, you know? So, yeah. so again, I, it's, it's that thing, isn't it? It's, it's, there's a fine line, how much Absolutely. you share and how much you hold back. I yeah. think also the psychology behind reading a psychological thriller is I think most readers will really race towards the end. That's mm. the whole thing, isn't it? It's mm. the kind of climax. And you, I, I tend to read very quickly and I kind of skim certain parts just mm. to get to the end of the, 
the story so that that might be you know yeah. a, the reason why yeah. maybe one of this reader was like what happened like I don't yeah. understand yeah I don't do that you know it's why it takes me so long to read a book I think um I can't read I read every line you know I read every line and and you know the really good psychological thrillers is it's the hidden gems yeah hidden you know little little seeds of information yeah. that are tapped throughout the book that, that make it make it such a good read um I'm reading a proof at the moment um and and she, it's a psychological thriller and I haven't read this particular author before and I'm really impressed because it's these, these little lines you know aphorisms throughout the book that are just drip feeding the information and I, I just love that yeah, you know, the, the thing about ambiguous endings is sometimes I love it, sometimes I hate it. It's really dependent on the story and the genre and I think kind of quite frankly the mood I'm in. But um, sometimes I find an ending too ambiguous and then I kind of find myself Googling afterwards. Um, but other times an ambiguous ending feels so appropriate for the story. You know, in many ways um, it adds to that richness and the suspense and, you know, that element of uncertainty kind of allows for you to, to use your imagination. Um, I think my favorite thing um, are those innocuous little kernels, you know, that um, are very neatly placed. And if you're not paying close attention, you'll miss them entirely. Um, But it's wonderful as a reader to kind of experience that sensation of, oh, wait, you know, that ties back to that earlier thing. And and it's kind of like what you said, Julianne, some readers won't be observant enough in the first instance. Yeah, definitely. I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of the author who wrote, Brokeback Mountain. Who was that author? What's the name? Annie Prue. That's it, Annie Prue. Yeah, that's it. And I'm just using that as an example of, as a book that I read, and I had to read it again. I had to read it again because of all the kernels, you know, that in in the book that were given to me that I didn't quite get. And then when I read it again, it was even more brilliant than than the first time that I read it. So yeah, one of my favourite writers actually. Well, actually, yeah, let's um let's talk about some of our favorite authors or um books or films even as well. Um just kind of what's what what have you read or watched and thought that's a character I really love and I kind of aspire to write something like that or a story like that or a twist, something maybe you've seen recently or read recently. So I reread, I was thinking about, because um, every time I write a book, I try and reread books uh, that have really inspired me. And one of the, this he's not really psychological crime, but he's called, he's Robert Harris, he's a well-known writer, but he yeah. wrote a book called The Ghost. And it is one of my all-time favourite books. It's about a ghost writer. It's loosely based on a um, uh, uh, Labour politician. Um, and uh, he is going to write a ghost of his life. But it's a, it is a thriller because you gradually realise that the Labour politician is very, very, it, it, I think it's based on Tony Blair, um, uh, <laughs> very dark and possibly killing people. But I love that book because, and I love Thomas Harris because he writes such brilliant plots and such brilliant voice. And voice for me is the major thing. It's the reason I like Gillian Flynn and her less well-known books like Dark Places and Dark Sharp Objects. Places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they're brilliant. both excellent mm-hmm. books. And they carry along. It, the voice is the big thing that I really love. I recently uh, read All the Little Things by Sarah Lawton. And again, I think it has a great dark voice. Yeah. Um, yeah so for me, voice is the big thing. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Definitely. I agree too. I think one of my favourite authors, um, and is my go-to author now. So if I hear she's got a book out, I don't even bother reading <laughs> the blurb. <laughs> I'm just buy it. Is Sabine Durant because oh yes, she she is an incredible psychological thriller writer, but it's more character based. She does write unlikable characters, and she sucks you in, and her descriptions are amazing, and her voice in every single book is so strong I just I just love her and I was like I always say when I grow up I'd like to be like her <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's a very she's a good writer yeah a couple of my go-tos is Alex Marwood who yes brilliant yeah. poison 
something tree or something yeah. or other. Well, yeah. yeah, well, I wasn't that well. One of my other favorite authors is Erin Kelly. Yeah, um, yes. And yeah. and then recently I've been reading Peter, some Peter Swanson books. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, love yeah. those. I mean, I don't know about you two, but I I actually don't read thrillers when I'm writing them, which is most of the time. So. <laughs> I, I actually do try to avoid I, I did most of my thriller writing reading before I started writing what because you think it'll put you off or you'll... you know I just I just end up imbibing their voices yeah oh you know? I and I do and I know I do it's, it's not about ideas yeah but, but I just start writing like the person whose book I'm reading yeah. at that time and, yeah. and that's a compliment to that author because yes I I love, you know, I love reading their work, but but I I really do notice it that if I'm actually writing a first draft, I mean I'm talking about a first draft. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I just end up writing like, well, I mean in my dreams, you know, I end up writing. No, like, I know exactly what you mean. You feel very yeah. porous and it's almost yeah. like it's yeah. really hard to read uh, loads of books and write at the same time. So I do a lot of my reading when I'm in between. Like now I've been doing a lot of reading. Yeah. But up. I think I think reading, what I do is I just read in other genres yeah. and, um, and I read a lot of non-fiction. I love, I love reading non-fiction. So, so that, that's what I do. And I, I mean, move to other questions. I mean, reading non-fiction also inspires me with, with my fiction, mm. writing. So yeah, that's what I do when in between. Yeah, that's really interesting. I do, I do find that, um, you can draw a lot of inspiration from different different genres. Um, and if you're working on something um, that is genre fiction and you read something else in a different genre, um, just even the language that's used. I mean, it's it's like a completely different experience um, as a writer reading something else and then figuring out, oh, you know, I quite like this stylistically. How can I maybe incorporate this into my own writing? And I think for that, it, it ends up making your writing that much better. They do say... Yeah you should read like a writer absolutely yeah, yeah. it's difficult reading... isn't it because with genre fiction I think editors do have a, a certain view of how you should write and they get quite nervous if you slightly move the parameters might... <laughs> yeah <laughs> my character in the first book it Hannah is I mean it's definitely dark and it's a thriller but she is darkly sarcastic and funny in places. And that really unnerved some editors. And I was like, but some of the best books have that kind of mix. But mm. they do get quite nervous. They they do, I think it's quite hard to persuade people sometimes. Yeah, I think I think it's that that um, genre fusion, isn't it? I mean, to yeah. me, if you're writing genre fiction, it doesn't mean that you can't write, you know, um, good, you know, quality, you know, spread your wings a little bit and, and yeah try other styles I'm thinking thinking about favorite authors actually I'm thinking about Kate Atkinson recently I read her Jackson Brody crime yes the museum her. falling down and all those ones I just loved um the case histories so that were her crime her crime not I mean I love Kate Atkinson's work yeah. anyway behind the museum yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well the case, case histories with Jackson Brody yeah. the, the sort of you know, private investigator mm. but, but previously I'd read her books um A God in Ruins and a few, a few other other titles and I just love her you know I love her writing so I wanted to because I write a bit of crime I wanted to read her crime but mm. where I'm going with that is you know it's quite literary absolutely but, but, but a real page turner you know such a page turner yeah so I think you can mix the two you can yeah I think it's so. just whether somebody will agree to publish it. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, not, we're talking sort of, um, you know, the, the dream state as opposed to the real state. <laughs> um, that's a, that brings up a good point, actually. Um, I wanted to ask kind of what your biggest challenges have been. So maybe it's not necessarily with the writing itself, but it's with that kind of that next phase, the, the working with an editor and trying to find a publisher. And it'd be great to hear kind of from each of you what you found to be the most challenging kind of aspect of the whole writing and publishing I think they're all different I think you think oh when I get to this bit it'll be easy and then it so you you get an agent and you think oh now it's easy then you have to try and get a publisher and then you think oh now it's easy there's difficulties I think at every single level um I think I found my biggest problem with writing is I'm 
chronically lazy and uh, I'll do anything except write. I have to get absolutely in the groove and turn everything off. So that's my biggest problem in writing. And then my biggest problem in publishing, yeah, is self-doubt, believing that you know what you're doing, sticking to your guns, you know, like when it comes to choosing um, covers and titles. For my first novel, I was grovelingly nervous and I will not be that again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's with your first novel, you also, as an author, you're so grateful, aren't you? <laughs> and so you, you aim to please, um, yeah hopefully you find more of a voice second or third time round. Yeah. Um, because you're further down have you did, do you get more choice now and more control over your titles and covers and things um I, I don't think so I don't think that ever changes I mean I, I think it depends which you know it, it depends on publishers your editor you know yeah. everything I mean you know I think publishers, most of the time, you know, that they, they, they want to sell your book. So, mm. you know, they, they want to give it a title and a cover that is commercially um, viable. And, I, you know, and I really understand that. Um, so, I mean, my, what's my biggest challenge is, you know, I think one of my, I think my biggest challenge as a writer now is, is well, a bit like you, Liz, um, in respect just sitting down and writing but I think my biggest challenge is um you know writing the right thing because it you know it's got to be you know it's something it's got to be commercial it's it's got to have the hook you know and so um and and I think in the lens of what we're looking at now I think authors are you know very very slightly censored in what they can write about, very slightly. So definitely, for me, no, I, mean, I agree. I think, yeah, it's um, it's quite restricted. Yeah, I, you know, and and also as as a female, small female thriller writer as well. I mean, I don't know how you, but I love writing male characters, and I know that it, as a genre, you know, to have a male. I mean, I do have male um, point of view characters in my novels, but the main character is always a woman. Um, but as, as a female writer, I, I would be a, want would love to explore that more. You know, having mm. a male male point of view main character. So uh, my biggest challenge, what is it? I don't know. Just just being commercial, just just writing, you know, for the market. But then mm. again, you know, writing for the market is sometimes a bad thing because the market changes. Yeah. So. Yeah. so so really, and this was the advice that was given to me when I very first started writing, it is write what you want to write. Yeah. And you just have to do that. So I still hang on to that, really. Um, I think that's a good point. And also my, my challenge is trying to be as authentic to myself as I can be. Um, and I really think that there's two things going on. You know, you're, uh, you're, you're writing your first draft, which is the creative part. <clears throat> which I find a challenge when you first write the first draft and kind of vomit the story out. And then there's the editing part. And I, I, at the moment, I'm finding it really hard to not edit my first because I've got an idea for book three. Um, so I just want to get this story out without editing and having that voice in my head and all these things going on like, oh no, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Should my character be stronger? And I think it's just writing authentically uh, with that door shut and not allowing anything else to um I think I think your first your first draft you're telling you're telling the story to yourself yeah yeah whereas the next drafts yeah you're you're telling the reader the story and also what I would say Sophia as well and this is just yeah. my experience um I always before got first draft out and just as bad as it was mm. and and um my current work in progress, you know, I've, I've edited it a lot as I've gone along. Mm. I mean, probably because I've had to in a lot of ways, because it's quite plot, it's quite plotty, quite mm. plot driven. Um, but I feel like it's taken me longer than normal to, you know, I thought it was going to save me time, but I'm yeah. not sure whether it has. That's so so I would really advise just to really sleep yeah. it out. Because this is what's happening with this new idea that I have. I'm kind of locked in this kind of first three chapters and I'm like kind of perfect, trying to perfect these early chapters where I really 
you know, you're, you kind of get in a loop, don't you? You really but that, yeah, but that's vomit the, the, the story yeah. out. But getting getting the opening right, gosh, I, you know, like yeah. but getting the opening right is really important, isn't it? Because that sets yeah. the foundations for the rest of the novel. So I think it's True. fine to take time on that. Yeah. You know, um, because that is the foundations for your characters, for your setting, for your plot. You yeah. Know? But I think once you've honed, you know, I don't know, 10,000, that first 10,000, then just go, go yeah. with it and run with it. I think that also... I must tell myself that. <laughs> debut novelist Liz I don't know if you feel this now that our books are out there's more pressure whereas when we were writing our debut novel we didn't really have that pressure we just wrote and then you know hoping Absolutely, no, I someone agree, yeah. would, you know <laughs> like our work where now we're kind of comparing and like oh my god this just doesn't sound right you know so I think that editing process as you're writing kind of kicks in much sooner uh, and the critical voice I guess as well with the yeah writing. I'm, I'm self-critical all the way through but then I think self-critical is good too isn't it it pushes you to write something better so I don't think it's a bad thing as long as you keep the I think for me momentum is the big yeah. thing keep yeah. writing keep in momentum yeah as long as I do something my brain will kick in and I'll have a good idea but if I sit there doubting myself I'll never get anywhere but yeah, yeah. momentum and just <laughs> ignore all the crappy thoughts yeah and oh my big thing is Scrivener done the second book on Scrivener and I love Scrivener oh, wow. I might pick like your I might pick your brains <laughs> for that oh, I don't think I can do that it's just basically <laughs> words a word program but you can divide it all up a lot better and you can see where things are and I think for plotting it's been incredibly useful I really like it this has been so wonderful thank you so much for joining me um but if I can, I'd like to end this episode with one final question. Um, what's the single best piece of advice you've been given on writing? Um, Don't think, keep writing and get with the momentum. Just if you do something, you'll do something else. If you don't do something, you're, it's harder to do something. If you, I, I, Everything I've ever done, it's all about momentum and not thinking. If you get yourself out of the way and get on with it, you're cleverer and brighter and more brilliant than you think if you just do it and stop analysing. Yeah, well done, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I second that. I, I would also say don't compare yourself to other writers ever, you know, in any way. And no matter how successful people appear to be and are probably, you know, everybody, every writer's fighting their own fight and it's never easy for any of us. And so it's best just to get on with your own work, get your head down. I think for me, um, someone said to me once, write from within, and that really resonated. I think that's where I found my voice for various characters. So really get into the head of your characters and mm. really see through their eyes. It's like a form of acting, I guess, if you're an actor or something, you really get- method, method acting. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think that helps. That, that was a good bit of advice to write from within, to find that voice. In the Margins is brought to you by Loom Books.